So, I'm feeling really excited still about this One Another series, um, but at the same time as feeling really excited, I'm also feeling completely undone, because as week after week goes by and we look at a different one, I realise more and more there's absolutely no way that I can do this on my own. I can't love people and honour people and uh, stop passing judgment and all those things without the help of the Holy Spirit. But as well as that, actually, I also need your help. Um, is there anybody else that feels as difficult about that as I do? Yes, great. Three of us. Well, that's a majority, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, so to have any hope of growing in all of that, um, we really need to do it together. So, tonight's mission should you choose to accept it, is to love one another to community and beyond. Now, probably most of you are too young to know how funny that is, but anyhow. <laughs> but actually, it's a bit of a battle cry tonight. Um, verse 12 in our passage, which Mimi's going to come and read to us in a minute, says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So we're going to look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians uh, and then after Mimi's read it to us we're going to think about what it might mean for us today. So by way of the context, um, Paul, Silas and Timothy had planted the church in Thessalonica a few years before Paul wrote this letter. And actually from what I've read it really was only like two or three years, so this was a very young church. Um, and like many of the Christian communities at the, at the time, they were suffering persecution. Um, so Paul was really concerned about them. And for us, even though we're not being persecuted at the moment, our faith is contested and challenged in lots of different ways. And the time may well come when we're persecuted too. We live in uncertain and dangerous times, but God is good all the time. So Paul was really concerned about this young church and um, whether they were being blown off course or managing to stand firm. So he sent Timothy over to bring him back news. And so Timothy was like Paul's spiritual son. Um, and uh, he sent him over to get news and also to encourage and strengthen them while he was there. So can you please turn to 1 Thessalonians if you've got a Bible? Chapter 3 and Mimi's going to come and read to us. Is it sounding a bit ringy or am I dreaming? I'm doing um, So, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Okay. Um, but Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. 
How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Thanks, Mimi. That's great. So Paul's on his own and he's suffering persecution himself. And like I said, he's been really worried about this young church like a father worries about his children. Um, They've been on their own without any apostles. They're facing suffering and persecution. And they're still very young in their faith. So can you still trust a God? when such terrible things in the world happen. No doubt that have also been temptation for them to go back to what they believed before or to compromise their faith. So Paul is absolutely delighted to hear the good news from Timothy and he just can't stop thanking God for answering his prayers for them and for the joy this news has given him. Um, as he said, verse 8, for now we really live since you're standing firm in the Lord. So it's really given him a, a lift. Um, and it's also renewed his, his spiritual strength. And he's giving all the glory and honour to God in this because he knows that it's the Lord who's worked in their lives and he's just thrilled to have been a part of it. But the, God, the glory is all God's and not his. And he really loves these Thessalonian guys so much. Now, if you're a parent, you'll know that there's nothing quite so thrilling about hearing that your kids are doing well, that they're making good decisions when you're not around, and they're turning into mature, well-balanced adults who really make a a difference to the world. And um, Paul is just feeling so thrilled about who he considers his children, that he like bursts into prayer. And it's a prayer that I think Paul would pray for us here today if he was with us. So verse 12, make the, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen, and some... Um, translations say and establish your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes so he says may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and the actual word he uses means super abundantly so there's absolutely no question that we can do that on our own we can't love super abundantly without the Holy Spirit um, and uh, we have to partner with him and Paul knows for himself the truth of that so what does love do? real love abounding love produces stability the best and safest place for a child to grow up is within a family where there is abounding love It produces stable, fruitful, loving people. 
It's where we learn who we are. We learn that we belong. What our gifts are. And our rough edges get rounded off a bit. We learn it's not all about us. We learn to give as well as to take. And we learn to say sorry and forgive and take responsibility for ourselves and make sacrifices for others. We go on to become mature adults who adults who, lo- who love and invest in other people. But it takes a loving family to do that. We can't do that on our own. And sadly, that's not everyone's experience of family. Not everyone's experience at home. But that's why the church is meant to be family. And that's why it's so important to us here. We need to be that loving community that, as we said before, mirrors the relationship in the Trinity. So those of us who are Christians or followers of Jesus have been adopted into the family of God, the Trinity, And those of you who may not be yet, please be absolutely certain that he's longing to adopt you. But what does it mean to be adopted? So God the Father created us in his image for loving relationship with him. To receive and respond to his love by loving him and loving each other and to love and steward the earth. But as you know, we messed up and it created a barrier and a separation between us and God and us and other people. So he sent Jesus to come and live as one of us and to show us in bodily form who the Father is and what the kingdom should look like. So Jesus lived the perfect life among us and then paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross for you and for me and for all these unbelievably dreadful things that are happening in the world at the moment and have always happened. But he did that so that we could be reconciled to the Father and adopted into his family or be saved. So salvation, that's to say being saved, is a gift we receive. We can't earn it. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, For it's by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations say masterpiece, and I love that. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we've been created to receive and return the love of the Father. So we're created for love and we're saved by grace, not works. But before we were even born, the Lord prepared specific good works for each of us to do. So if we look at Jesus, who's our model of how to love and how to live, it says in Philippians 2, in the message, he didn't claim special privileges, Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. 
So we're created for love, but we live to serve, which is the demonstration of love. And we serve from our position as adopted sons and daughters. Now I found that there's, uh, there was a, an adoption ceremony, which I didn't know about, in Jewish culture for the sons. And girls, it's okay because actually we are sons of God as well. So um, anyway, but adoption means son placing. So when the son reached maturity, the ceremony marked the time when he officially inherited all the rights and responsibility of his father's house. So when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we too are adopted into the Lord's family and inherit all the rights and responsibility of our father's house. Romans 8:16 says, "The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children." Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may share also in his glory. So as well as the joy of the Lord, suffering is also part of our journey for those who follow Jesus. Paul had told the Thessalonians about this from the start. But we worship a crucified God, a crucified Christ, and we share in his suffering. It's part of the deal. And it's another reason that we need each other. Why being family is so important. So we love and serve from our position in the family, from that place of knowing who and whose we are. Not from fear of punishment or fear of rejection, but from a place of huge gratitude for grace received and for being part of the family. So serving should be a natural response to the love and the privileges that we've enjoyed. And it helps us to become responsible, trustworthy, mature, and to use the influence that he gives us well. And there's all the difference in the world between serving to be saved, which is trying to earn salvation, to earn God's or man's approval, and avoid rejection, which all points to us, and serving out of gratitude, which points to Jesus. So let's just look at the last bit of Paul's prayer. May he strengthen and establish your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. So that word blameless. My heart always rather sank when I read or heard that that, because there's no way that I can possibly be blameless. But actually, the good news is that it doesn't mean sinless. Isn't that great? So, so blameless means to be free of any valid charge being laid against us. So that doesn't mean you won't sin sometimes, but it does mean that when you do, you'll deal with any sin or wrong in your life. So it's not covering up sin, but it's keeping short accounts with God. When it comes to holiness, he wants us to be free from condemnation so that nothing can be held against us when we meet him face to face. So we need to do everything in our power to sort out and put the things right in our lives that 
aren't currently or won't be right. But just as we know that it's the Lord's power that makes your love increase and overflow for each other, the good news is that it's his power too that will strengthen and establish your heart to enable us to become blameless and holy. It's his power and our yes to him, both individually and in community with each other, that brings that about. So looking at Jesus, he loved and served with his disciples. He served his inner circle and those outside. So Jews, Gentiles, the poor, the sick, the broken, the demonized. His love heals, forgives, breaks chains, releases captives, transforms lives and communities, and can change the world. Don't you want to be part of that? Because he's not here today in bodily form, he chooses us to be his hands and his feet. And as we serve together, love grows. So in our, in our life hub, Nath is going off to serve in Africa, but actually he knows that there's a whole group of people who really love him here and who are absolutely going to pray every day for him. So though he may physically be many thousands of miles away, actually spiritually it's no distance at all. Um, and that's part of us supporting him as he go, goes out to serve. But you need family, you need community for that. And actually when we have love like that in community, that, that gives us stability. And that's what we desperately need. Our hearts really need that stability. And the world is crying out for it as well. So with these days there's so much political unrest going on, there's social injustice, there's war, terrorist atrocities and all of that. And we need communities of people who love Jesus and follow him, who mature and grow together so that they're not afraid to stand up for injustice, who can stand up and be counted and who can love and serve like Jesus did. Talking about the story of the Good Samaritan, Martin Luther King said, Junior, sorry, said, uh, the first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question, if I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? So love is our best weapon. And we're in a spiritual battle. And that's why it feels like to me that tonight's a battle cry. It may look like a kind act, an encouraging word, a meal, or it might be standing up for injustice in a public arena. It might be laying down your life or making a difficult sacrifice for someone. But even the smallest acts of kindness take back ground from the enemy. It's a weapon of war, but we're meant to do it in and from community. We're so much stronger together. He's a good guy, Martin Luther King, Jr. Here's another one. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. 
You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Now I don't know about you, but I really want to be great. I want my life to make a difference. And I want to play my part in changing the world for Jesus. And I don't want to meet the Lord and have missed what I'm made for. So we're going to watch a short video. And while that's going, I'm going to pray that the Lord will speak to each one of you about something specific that he wants to do about your mission, should you choose to accept it. thinking about what does Christian commitment look like and I think there could be three parts to it so it's commitment to Christ the head is also our commitment to the body of Christ love for the head is demonstrated in love to the body And the third part is commitment to the feet to get the gospel into the world. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So we are his hands as well as his feet. And actually I'm not sure if we can be New Testament Christians if we're only committed to the head. Can I just ask how many people here, if there's anyone here who's still at school? Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, Moncton's off on its um, weekend, so um, leave out weekend. So, just thinking, having watched that, what what it will mean tomorrow and for this week, for those of us in different groups of people, So if you are at school or uni, just imagine for a moment what it might be like if every one of you did an act of love or service every day this week. If you got together to encourage one another and spur one another on to love and serve one another both within your group and outside it. really to appreciate the teachers and tutors and lecturers for the work that they put in. Maybe standing up for people who are being bullied. Being kind and encouraging. And of course, pray that his kingdom would come. I know that at uni there's lots of things that 
uh, you get involved with. There's just love, the soup run, looking out for the lost and the lonely, people who are struggling, and pray for the kingdom to come. In the workplace, pray for the person who makes life so hard for you and find a way to encourage them. Give credit to others who do well rather than pushing yourself forward and pray for the kingdom to come. In the family, forgive the parent, child or sibling who keeps hurting or annoying you and ask the Lord to give you his love for them. Reawaken your love for them. Be kind and pray for the kingdom to come. So in church, pray for the leadership in your own church and also in the country and in the world. We desperately need leaders who are going to stand up for justice and mercy in these days. Pray for protection. Pray that we would represent Jesus rightly both inside the church and outside in the community. Pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as in heaven. And there's another group I think that we need to pray for. For those who need breakthrough in some area of their lives at the moment. Mother Teresa said, At the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we've received, how much money we've made, or how many great things we've done. We'll be judged by, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was homeless, and you took me in. So I've, I feel tonight, maybe the band could come up again, um, but I feel tonight that the Lord wants to minister and empower the groups of people that I've mentioned. So if you feel the Lord calling you, and if you want to play your part in this, to accept your mission, I think it'd be great to gather into the groups, which Andrew and I will try and order in some way and then the prayer team will just you can pray for one another in the groups but then some in the prayer team will just come round and join you in prayer and uh, pray over you but there's no pressure to respond if you're not if you haven't felt the Lord's calling you so do just feel free to sit and continue as the worship band comes back so I just just want to invite the Holy Spirit to Come in more power. Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Come, Lord. Come, Jesus.